Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to. Oh, uh, mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, mom. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com/find. Warning: This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. What up, folks? Another good edition of The Edge in store for you today. We are reunited. Matt Humans off of his ship for Follow the Money in the Morning. He's with us now here today, the rest of the week, forever. Uh, we got a good show. Brian Geltiler is going to be with us in 15 minutes, discuss all sorts of NBA angles with him, including the series that everybody loves, the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets, which put the. Uh, Put forth a very, very good game one for us on Sunday night, which we'll get to other aspects of that later in the show. Yeah, I thought by far this would be the most intriguing series in the first round, and it's uh, going to play out that way. Brooklyn, Boston. Oh, yeah. When you get a, a spinning layup at the buzzer to win oh, that thing wow. after a chaotic few seconds uh, for a final shot, uh, it's going to be brilliant. So, with that, I wanted to go back to last night very quickly uh, to discuss one thing with you, and uh, we'll get to some other big picture stuff too as we move forward in some of these series, but I wanted to go to Dallas, Texas, where the Dallas Mavericks pulled off a 110-104 victory over the Utah Jazz, evening the series at one game apiece. Now, they still, of course, lose home court because they lost game one, so they got to go on the road, and if they can split one there, they get home court back in this series against the Utah Jazz, uh, but a few things to point out here. First off, uh, Jalen Brunson. I know you're a fan of him. Jalen Brunson is a phenomenal player. Uh, he is one that I have uh, coveted for a while in terms of adding uh, his services to the Los Angeles Clippers. 41 points, 15 to 25 from the floor, 6 to 10 from three-point range. A brilliant performance after an inefficient 24 points on 24 shots in game one yeah. for Brunson. <laughs> but for me, the takeaway here is, Matt, as we were kind of writing the uh, the epitaph, right, for the Dallas Mavericks, ah, oh, man, you know what? No, Luca. It's going to be tough. It's over. Uh, hell, I even watched game one, and I was like, ooh, Brunson's not going to be able to do anything, <laughs> right, with right. his small stature. They're just going to be able to switch everything. And, uh, but here's the thing, and this is what I kind of, yeah, I, I've mentioned this quite a few times, uh, but 
got fooled into game one and thinking that the Jazz and their perimeter defenders were actually going to hold up for multiple games. Yesterday <laughs> was the quintessential example of why the Utah Jazz struggled down the stretch. It's why the Jazz lost in the postseason last year in very, very terrible fashion to a Clippers team without their best player and why they're tied 1-1 yet again with another team that is without their best player in the Dallas Mavericks. The Jazz perimeter defenders, namely Donovan Mitchell, who deserves a ton of blame for the defensive effort yesterday or lack thereof, they are awful. And Rudy Gobert is just out there putting out fires continuously and you're thrown under the bus by uneducated fans. Sure. They have to be better in terms of containing dribble penetration. And that guy right there who got blown by multiple times last night to either set up layups within four feet of the basket or kickouts to open shooters. Why is anything different from this jazz team that got eliminated by the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard last year? Those are all good points, and I agree with you. Actually, I think everybody lets Donovan Mitchell off the hook because he's such a good offensive player, but he he's, can be so bad on the defensive end. I've been guilty of this, too. I, I, you know, you look at how dynamic he can be as an offensive player and don't look at his defensive shortcomings. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people, when the Jazz lose, they'll blame Rudy Gobert. Of course. And nobody wants to blame Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I think the Jazz are going to be in a world of hurt when they let Gobert go. And they're going to find out how bad they are on the defensive end of the floor without him. I, uh, and in this series, they could still be in trouble. You lose to the Mavericks without Luka, uh, like they did last night. If Luka comes back, the Jazz are in, in, in trouble in this series. I know after game one, almost the entire world wrote off the Mavericks in this series. Yeah, and, and, and I'll, I'll say this to a couple of things. First off, with this series, I was amazed to find out that there were a few odds makers that thought it was going to be a pick series. Like full strength, Luka Doncic available. Yeah. Uh, that I thought that was, I thought that was not just considering. I thought the matchup advantage that a three guard lineup with Lucas Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson would bring to a team like this. And the second part, to your point about Rudy Gobert, so there's two prominent teams that are tied to Gobert in terms of rumblings for trades in, mm -hmm. in the offseason. That would be the Dallas Mavericks and the Toronto Raptors. How sick would both of those teams be with Rudy Gobert currently constructed? You throw Gobert in the mix, especially the Dallas Mavericks. Doncic and him together, pick and roll, lob threats. They'd actually give him the ball on offense. And defensively, how much Jason Kidd has improved this team with an anchor like him back there, they'd be title contenders immediately. Okay. I'm just saying, like, to your point, the way that, the way that Gobert gets a lot of this crap for yeah. what's gone on yeah. and, oh, defensive player of the year, what's going on here? <laughs> like, open your eyes and watch what's been going right. on with the, with the Utah Jazz because their, <clears throat> their perimeter defenders have been awful. Uh, you need more out of guys like Mike Conley. Conley has completely disappeared this season. Zero points yesterday. Oh, oh a man. seven from the Boy, floor. He was terrible. He was really bad. And this, is, and this is the troubling part, too, because that stretch for Conley, it's been going on for a while now. Like, it's not yeah. just, hey, postseason, what's going on? He's been in the middle of this for a minute. And so now, you know, again, you're going back home and – essentially still everything's in front of you because you stole home court and you're still taking on the uh, the Mavericks without Luka Doncic. But unless unless Donovan Mitchell is going to start to put some effort in on the defensive end of the floor and others, I just I, – I, I am disappointed in myself for – I told you this, right? In game one, I was like, hey, I don't think this team is dead in this series. I thought they were going to be somewhat competitive. Watched game one and came off of the prior immediately after what happened. I am disappointed in myself because I was watching that last night. I'm like, why did I even move? Like it's the same jazz teams mm. we've seen in the past. So we'll see if uh, they can maybe right the ship, but uh, it does not look good for them. Well, Jalen Brunson was a, a big factor. Yep. And uh, what happened last night, a huge game for him. And uh, I, I reflect on that draft in uh, 2018. Brunson, I, I was always a big Jalen Brunson fan. He was the national player of the year in college basketball that year. He was the 33rd pick of the draft by the Mavericks. He slipped so far in the draft because he's not a big guard. He's, mm -hmm. what, six foot, six one, six one at most. And uh, last night he came up big for the Mavericks. And 
well, was a major difference. Any uh, hint here on when Luca might be able to return if he can return at all? Is it going to be game three, game four? Every every report seems a little bit more positive. So I would say that there is a shot for game three. But if you're circling a date, I would probably look at game four more mm-hmm. than game three. And get, by the way, given that you took one of these games and the way you looked in game two, I think if you're Jason Kidd, you're kind of sitting back on, all right, maybe we can last one more game without him. If this game plan is going to work against them and they're going to be this poor on the perimeter defensively, yeah. maybe we can maybe we can survive one more game without him. Uh, by the way, that uh, that 2018 draft, have you gone through and looked at that entire draft? That's a sick draft class. I'll do that now. DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson, Trey Young, Wendell Carter, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Mikhail Bridges, Miles Bridges, Michael Porter Jr. Like, we can go down the list of guys who are actually pretty good. Kevin Herter was in that draft. Did you mention Jaron Jer- Jackson? Yeah, Jaron Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, was gonna say, you skip, I know you skipped over Mar- Marvin Bagley. Robert Williams. Pick. Anthony <sighs> Simons. Jalen Brunson. Devontae Graham. It was a pretty sick draft. No, nah, it was a really good draft. There's no, no question about it. Uh, and the biggest disappointment's been Marvin Bagley, the number two pick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when we'll get, I want to talk about Robert Williams because I know that the uh, the defensive player of the year, uh, you're happy about that race being over, but I have one thing to say about I can't that. believe that Jaron Jackson was not in the top three. Can, okay. All right. So I mentioned it. I'm just going to do this really quickly, and I want to see if you agree with me. I thought it was an embarrassment looking at the way that those votes broke down for defensive mm-hmm. player of the year. And it's not. this is not because Jaron Jackson didn't win. The fact that Robert Williams got one second place vote, I believe it was, you're going to tell me before he got hurt two weeks before the end of the regular season that voters were watching that team and going, oh, yeah, Marcus Smart by a mile. Or did these lazy-ass voters look at what happened and go, oh, thank God, Robert Williams got hurt. Now I don't have to decide between him and Marcus Smart. Let's just vote for Marcus Smart and give him the award. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened. And that, to me, that, that was the biggest that was the one that I came away with. Like, are you serious? Robert Williams deserved way more than just the single vote that he got. It's ridiculous that Marcus Smart won the way that he did because voters got lazy, didn't want to do any more homework and look past it. No. I, I just You have that a lot of times. Yep. When you're, if you're going to bet on these awards, you cannot expect the, uh, the results to be competent because a lot of voters are lazy. Let's look at the Final Four Most Outstanding Player. <laughs> yeah. Just most recently last month. Uh, there's no way that should have gone to O'Shea Abaji. Mm-hmm. I had a 50 to one ticket on who should have been the winner, and uh, the voters were lazy. So and what can you do? It's a Super Bowl MVP. How about last year? I don't think Bryce Harper deserved to be the most valuable player in the National League. No, I would agree with that. But I think too, it's 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 also part of a conversation for multiple reasons, especially in the NBA. One, a lot of these people are the same people who are deciding on all NBA teams, which actually affect contracts in the NBA, right. which is a really dumb system, but it's a uh, system that's, that's still in place, too. Yeah. right? Uh, we're gambling on these things now, which you would think that people are actually doing their homework and caring, but you know, no, that's that's our care. fault. You got to factor that in. But and I could go on for a while, but I've said my piece. It was pretty annoying seeing the results of the vote. Not so much again that Jackson didn't win. It was the way that those votes broke down. So we have three games later tonight in the NBA. I will give you the floor. The game you are most excited to watch tonight is. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm going to go with uh, T-Wolves Grizzlies okay? because I think most betters are expecting the Grizzlies to automatically bounce back and take care of the T-Wolves here. And we're seeing betting patterns where the Grizzlies are being played heavily on the money line, laying the points. And it's the zigzag principle, right? And uh, the home team that lost game one's got to bounce back and win game two. There's no way they're going to go down 0-2 at home. And that's why situations like this in the NBA 
always fascinate me. Yeah, you got. I think you got a lot of questions to ask yourself for the Memphis Grizzlies on defense. Anthony Edwards was absolutely spectacular. Carl uh, Anthony Towns was a problem for them against Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams had foul trouble partly because Carl Anthony Towns was so good against him. Mm -hmm. um, and you like the way they played defensively. They were actually pressuring a wow. lot more. You saw Carl Anthony Towns get John Morant on him quite a bit more in the middle of the floor. Look at that which, slam you know, by Cat, which led to the dunk that everybody remembers in that game. Um, <laughs> it, like I was, I'm with wow. you. And you and I talked about this the week prior, which was I was real. I was honestly surprised. A lot of people looked at this series and went <laughs> Memphis in five mm -hmm. because these were two teams that played each other very tightly. And, and I think it is a very flawed way of thinking to go that throw at the regular season. They played four games and over 400 possessions against one another with the right. teams of full strength. You don't throw that out. And that was a very tightly right. contested series in the regular season. Well, and also. I'm looking for a live dog here in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Yeah. There's not many. No, it doesn't seem and, like And uh, maybe the T-Wolves uh, can be one. Hey, later in the show, we're going to hear from uh, ESPN reporter Adrian Wojnarowski, <laughs> who's uh, – I've said, and most people have noticed, that uh, Adam Schefter has made a fool of himself several times in, in the last year or two. Woj is trying to one-up him here. Uh, yes, I, I believe so. And it's probably one of the more asinine takes I think you're going to see when yeah. it comes to sports betting and uh, uh, fan behavior. We'll put it that way. All right, uh, we'll come back. We're not going to be done with the, the NBA. We have to get to Major League Baseball as well. Uh, but in 15 minutes, Brian Geltzeller is going to be with us, founder of Hoops Critic. We'll get his thoughts on the Utah Jazz and what's going on there. And uh, let's update the scoreboard because we do have some games going on in Major League Baseball. And one of them, it's getting a little annoying. The Giants, they're just doing it again against my guy, Tyler McGill. <laughs> yep. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber Teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber Teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline.
This is The Edge on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back in. Uh, a little bit of an update. We do have a, a lot going on in the world of Major League Baseball. Some day games that are underway. I mentioned uh, that my guy Tyler McGill was on the hill against the uh, San Francisco Giants. I said this yesterday before they got postponed, Matt. I don't care what people say. This is a big series. San Francisco, New York, two teams at the top of the standings. I mean, I was a little bit skeptical of the Giants coming into the uh, season, but they're they're picking up right where they left off in 2021. Uh, they are, and it's kind of annoying. Death by paper cuts for one Tyler McGill. Three innings pitched, uh, six hits, four earned runs every single time. Uh, the Giants were making contact. It was finding a gap in the infield. So uh, McGill, four earned runs charged to his name right now, and uh, off to a, a rough outing through the first three innings against the San Francisco Giants. One of two, by the way. Uh, they're going to play two today. It is a doubleheader because mm-hmm. of the postponement. So we will see another matchup later, and that is going to be between uh, when Logan Webb and Max Scherzer. So an awesome pitching matchup there. Uh, Logan Webb has turned out to be a dynamic starting pitcher for the San Francisco. Uh, I was about to say 49ers. Uh, for the San Francisco Giants, and this uh, on paper is going to be one of the better matchups today in Major League Baseball. Uh, with that, we turn back our attention back to the association because we got quite the doozy here. So Sunday was incredible for many things, uh, that Boston-Brooklyn game. One of them was <clears throat> Kyrie Irving's interactions with the, the fans in mm-hmm. the stands. Uh, the finger that he gave to the crowd while running down the court. The other instance where he was mock crying and then flipped double birds behind his head to the fans. Yeah. The kids! Oh, God, the kids! Um, as somebody with two kids, get over it. Um, but Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN has taken this opportunity to say that, Matt, you know what? It might be because Kyrie Irving has some sordid past with Boston, but there's another factor at play. It's got to be gambling, the evils of the gambling world. Let's hear from Woj. We're going to see more of this in the league. Nothing to do with – there's a different dynamic with Kyrie Irving in Boston. Mm -hmm. But as gambling becomes more prevalent in the arena, people gambling on almost everything everything that goes on with a game and they're drinking, players, organizations, and you talk to them – they already feel it in the arena. And when people are losing money in real time and they're pointing to a player on the court that said, hey, I bet you to score more points in the second quarter than somebody else, and I lost, you're adding an element to that that we're not talking as much about but is a real factor in this league. And I think you are going to see more instances of, of fans being even more vitriotic yeah. toward players in this league. And it's an issue they're going to have to deal with, but it comes, I think, with the influx of gambling money right. that everyone's going to profit off of both players and the league and the, and the BRI. Yeah. But it's going to impact the way the relationship between fans and players in real time. Okay. That was from ESPN's NBA today. Yeah, it was from yesterday. Richard yep. Jefferson. Who else was on that panel? Uh, Malika Andrews and Zach Lowe. I like how Malika Andrews is going, yep, yep. Like she has any clue whatsoever. <clears throat> So there's a lot to to dissect from comments like this. First off, can we just address the beginning of the clip where he admits that he's building a straw man up here? We understand that the interactions between Kyrie Irving and the Boston Celtics faithful on Sunday Uh were not anything sports gambling related. It was his past with the team. It was playing there, standing on that court, telling him he'd be there forever, then leaving. Every time he's come out there, the weird stage thing he did that one time when he went out and played in Boston. Or did he, like, stomp on the leprechaun or something? He stomped on this, you know, Lucky the Leprechaun, whatever it was. There is something there that has nothing to do with sports gambling. Nothing. But to use that to then build this straw man argument up of watch out, these interactions, (laughs) 
Uh, they're they're going to get more. They're going to increase more and more. Which, by the way, can we also point out, um, Massachusetts? You tell me where you can you can place a legal bet in the state of Massachusetts. Gambling's been around for a long time. <laughs> I, I think the the difference now is you got more live wagering. Uh, you got more player props, things like that. That might be what he's referring to. But Woj obviously is uh, clueless when it comes to sports betting. He just his example was so idiotic. Yeah. I bet this player to score more points than this other player in the, the second, second quarter. quarter. Right. Okay. Can you look like more of a moron by saying something like that? Right. And I wish there was more pushback on it because he also mentioned. Well, no, that. everybody else on the panel is nodding their head. Right. Go, yep, yep, yep. It's, uh, come on. And that, just, that's an embarrassment to ESPN and that's saying a lot. It, it is. And it, it excuses the, again, you're just putting the onus of poor behavior and poor fan interaction, which, by the way, has happened before the wide, you know, the widespread legalization across the country of mm-hmm. sports gambling. Um, there's plenty of instances we can point to of fans being unruly and terrible and disgusting toward athletes while they're out there on the floor. We have plenty of examples in Major League Baseball as well before sports betting uh, of terrible interactions with fans and whatnot. Um, but the other part is when he when he like just lazily just goes by the end alcohol. You think? You don't think maybe the alcohol would probably be at the top? For the list of the sports fans getting angry. The sports betting has nothing to do with Kyrie Boston situation. Absolutely nothing. Right. You know, it's like when Michael Michael Irvin was injured in Philadelphia, and the Philadelphia fans pelted Santa Claus with snowballs. <laughs> right. that, I mean, that didn't have anything to do with sports betting, and this doesn't either. Uh, it's just. It's stupid to even suggest that, but that's what you're going to get a lot of times mainstream media when you have people commenting on sports betting related issues and they have no idea what they're talking about. Very uneducated on the topic. And Woj does a really good job as a reporter. Stick to reporting, not commentating. Yep, I would agree. I thought that was a pretty foolish statement to make. So, but And I think also, too, why this matters as well is because there's still that even though this is starting to spread, there is still the stigma and you have somebody on a national platform who's got a very big audience mm-hmm. saying that with no pushback in any way whatsoever yeah. from anybody. A lot of people will believe it. Just like exactly. the three panelists there were just nodding their heads. Yep. Yep. You're right. Woj. Yeah. yeah no, Woj, you're wrong and you have no clue. Yep. All right. So we, we move on from there um, to uh, go through uh, a couple of more of these um, situations in terms of, the NBA, because we have a couple of games tonight, and I know you have a best bet here, uh, but I will ask you this. You were big on your Miami Heat coming into the postseason. Sure. The Heat kind of fell apart for, for a brief stretch in the end of the regular well, season. Well, that infighting on the bench. Jimmy Butler was not a happy camper. No, he was not. Not at all. I tried to fight Eric Spolstra, which, again, kudos <laughs> to Eric Spolstra. Never backed down, and I think even won that exchange. Um, but Miami now seven-and-a-half-point favor with a total of 220 in this second game against the Atlanta Hawks. I figure you, you like what you saw from this team defensively in game one. That was a pretty good performance mm-hmm. against the Hawks. Trey well, the Miami Heat, what, the number four in the association in defensive rating this season? Mm-hmm. And they're pretty good at perimeter defense, too. And when you got a guy like Bam Adebayo who can play all over the floor, he's a very valuable defensive weapon. But Trey Young had a terrible game. He was 1 for 12 from the field, 0 for 7 from 3. But I'm going to put part of this on the negative scheduling spot that the the Hawks were in. They had to play Friday night, come back, play Sunday morning. The league did the Hawks no favors, put them in almost a no-win type of situation. Also, you had incredible three-point shooting on the Heat side. Ridiculous. You had Duncan Robinson and P.J. Tucker hit a combined 12 of 13 threes. So I think there's going to be some three-point shooting regression on the Miami side. Trey Young's going to play better. And – you know, I think the the scheduling spot had a lot to do with how bad the Hawks looked in game one. Now, I, I do have some concerns without Clint Capella 
if Trey Young's got enough help. Mm-hmm. Even if Trey Young's on fire, is that going to be enough? Um, so Bet Rivers had this at eight yesterday, so I took eight uh, with the Hawks. But it's not like I'm crazy about the play. I, I'm, I'm trying to find dogs here that looked really bad in game one I think can bounce back mm-hmm. in game two. And uh, last night we saw that with the Mavericks. Yeah, uh, We might see that. Uh, with the Atlanta Hawks tonight. I just think the Heat played their A game. The Hawks were in a negative situation, and they should be in a position tonight where Trey Young plays a lot better, and they can be much more competitive. I don't think the Hawks are going to make this a long series. I'm looking for them to make this a competitive game. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by watching them execute in that first game. Like, usually Trey Young will go and hunt mismatches quite a bit. I, I was expecting them to go after Max Struess more in that mm-hmm. starting lineup. They really didn't. They were running some weird stuff where they were bringing Bam at a bio onto Trey Young, which is not the mismatch he thinks it is. Right. Because that bio is freaking awesome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And to your point about not having Capella, when you have Capella out there, at least when you're running pick and rolls with him, if you're the big guy, you got to drop because you had to account for that lob. Sure. If he's not out there, you know, and Yeko Kong was a really good young player. He's not the lob threat that Clint Capella is. So you can almost kind of just sit back and go, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get a help defender on there. We'll just sit here and stick with Trey Young and some of these take away the floater, all those things and really work for them. So, but I, I would agree with this in terms of the angle of playing Atlanta. The other thing too is, you know, Miami finished dead last in terms of frequency of three point attempts allowed defensively. They're going to let you take three point shots. They just mm-hmm. want to cut off the paint. I, I counted at least in the first quarter four missed three-point shots by Atlanta that if they hit those, it's a little bit more competitive going into the second Uncontested threes? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. They, they were wide open. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in the bounce back here because I thought it was going to be one of those. Do you remember that series from a couple of years ago, that Pacers-Cavs series? It was a sweep, but, like, every game came down to the final possession. Yeah. I thought it was going to be one of those short but super competitive series uh, in this one. And, well, game one didn't really build up to that. Also, too, and I think this is an angle as we watch because you mentioned the situation for Atlanta. Well, the other team that won the eight seed, they got out to a really poor start in their game one against the Phoenix Suns, and they're back at it today, the mm-hmm. Pelicans against Phoenix. So I've got some some numbers and some stuff to watch for in this game too. Uh, but I, I'm really interested to track going forward as we have this play in, these eight seeds that win on that Friday night or however the schedule breaks down. It's usually going to be a Friday night and how they respond in their first games and first quarters, right, the first time around in the first round. Uh, that's a legitimate uh, concern. Yep. Yeah, it did not go well. Did not go well for him. Also, oh man, we have, do we, can we get request another hour, please? Uh, because we also have, you know, my favorite trend in the NBA postseason, Matt. Zigzag. No, the oh, other okay. one. I call it the desperation trend. The team down 2-0, going back home. Uh-huh. First quarter, first half. Oh, yeah. Got some numbers to dispel that myth okay. uh, because uh, let's just say you're not getting the value that you should. But we'll get to that a little bit later in the program, maybe after best bets. Uh, when we come back, let's get somebody else's opinion on everything we've seen here. Brian Geltziler is going to be with us, founder of Hoops Critic, host Series 6M NBA Radio. Get his thoughts on these games we're going to see later tonight. Uh, also, I mean, what's the difference between Brooklyn and Boston? There's so much to get to in so little time. And hopefully Brian can help us when we return here on The Edge. This is the Edge on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Of the competition for cash with the Northman Clash on the Ice Challenge. Join two free-to-play pools and compete for your share of $10,000 in total cash prizes with your hockey predictions. Head to DraftKings.com slash the Northman now to join the action. The Northman in theaters April 22nd. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, let's continue our look at the NBA. Brian Geltziler, founder of HoopsCritic.com, host series uh, XMNBA is with us now. Uh, Brian, we appreciate the time. Uh, wanted to start with uh, one of the games and series that we saw trans- 
transpire yesterday. We, we opened the show with this. Uh, the Utah Jazz fall flat on their face against uh, Jalen Brunson and the Dallas Mavericks. The troubling part about it, Brian, is that a lot of the uh, same issues that have popped up for Utah in the past, poor on-ball defense, Donovan Mitchell getting blown by consistently, three-point shooting uh, for the opposing team. They were all there. Why is this going to be any different? These shortcomings continue to pop up for Utah, and I think it's troubling that it popped up again last night for Dallas. Very much so. Listen, I, I'm with you guys on this. Their defense is nowhere close to being as good as it needs to be. And it's kind of ironic that on a day where Marcus Smart gets announced as Defensive Player of the Year and the analytics community starts to carry on about how Rudy Gobert deserved the award, it, it, you know, having to clean up for a lot of poor defenders doesn't necessarily make you the Defensive Player of the Year. And what you've seen here is just poor perimeter defense. I mean, I, I guys, Maxi Kleber may as well. I've had a cup of coffee with how open he was from three uh, the entire game. And, and the Jazz did nothing about that. Listen, I'll say this about the Jazz offensively. I give Quinn Snyder credit to this extent. They have really limited their three-point attempts, which is something that I thought was going to be necessary to win this series. It was going to be a tempo, tempo war, one that Dallas was likely to win and is winning right now in terms of just slowing the Jazz down. The Jazz have bought into that, and I think that's okay because the Jazz's biggest issue is not how many threes they're going to hit. Their biggest issue is how well they guard people, and they don't guard people. But in a slower game, it gives them a better chance. But I know people in Utah this morning were complaining about their offense and not playing fast enough. You know what? Gepaganovich in the first game gets 26 points, gets 25 points last night. Mitchell goes for over 32 games in a row. Now, granted, listen, he had to take 30 shots to get to 34. But nonetheless, you look at that, you look at Clarkson last night, 21 points and 11 shots. Their offense is enough. They're doing okay. I don't care that Conley was an 0 for 7. They're doing okay offensively. Their defense is a big problem. And really, there's no quick fix to solving this. And if, you know, we heard news earlier today that Luka is, is inching towards and is likely now to come back for game three. And the Jazz could be in a lot of trouble here early on. And if they are, we're going to see wholesale changes to this franchise come this offseason. Really quick, Matt, to, to Brian's point here, two offensive rating for Utah last night, 119.5. Offensive rating for Dallas, mm-hmm. 123.9. So yeah. I think that's the bigger issue there. Well, that's a Dallas offense without Luka Doncic, too. All right. Uh, Brian, always great to have you on, man. I want to get your take on this uh, T-Wolves-Memphis series because most betters here are uh, banking on uh, Memphis automatic, automatically bouncing back. The, the favorite in the series down 1-0 at home in game two is always going to be a popular bet. Grizzlies minus six and a half tonight. Uh, we're seeing big bets come in on the money line, weighing the points. Do you think it's going to be that easy for the Grizzlies? No, I, I do like the Grizzlies tonight, giving the points, but I think it, I don't think it's going to be that easy just because when you look at game one, the fact that Anthony Edwards was very difficult to guard and the fact that Dylan Brooks, who's the best perimeter defender Memphis has, couldn't handle him at all. And it wasn't just him, you know, hitting contested shots and maybe fluky stuff. It was him breaking him down off the bounce and getting to the basket. Edwards did what he wanted when he wanted on the floor in game one. And that's a little nerve-wracking. Now, I will say this to Memphis's advantage. They're going to guard Carl Anthony Towns better. Taylor Jenkins made a mistake starting that game, and Towns got going early because he decided he could put Steven Adams on him. That's an absolute mistake. Jaron Jackson's got to guard him. I'm not saying that Jenkins should be adjusting the starting lineup, but we need to see more smaller athletic lineups out of Memphis here to match up better with Minnesota. And if that draws Jackson 
onto onto cat, then it's got to draw Jackson onto cat. It's what you're going to need to do. The other thing is this: there's an advantage on the other end of the floor if they want to play that. You have Stephen Adams on the floor. It's a place to hide cat. If you're going to force cat to guard Jaron Jackson and actually let Jaron Jackson be a guy that plays in the paint a little bit instead of a guy that stands outside waiting for three point shots, he was. Five of thirteen and zero of three, zero of five from three in game one. You're going to need more out of Jaron Jackson than that. And you know, Carl Anthony Towns is not a good defensive player, guys. And you can force him into into committing some fouls. We saw it in the playing game against the Clippers. You got to go at Carl Anthony Towns. You're not going to be able to do it with Stephen Adams. The way to do it is Jaron Jackson. Here's my point. There's a formula here for Memphis to be able to win this game. It, with that said, I think we're in for a longer series, but you'll see Memphis tonight, I think, have a very strong performance. Yeah, and to that point about being smaller, uh, they had that lineup out there. Jaron Jackson Jr., Brian, was at center, and they went on that 16-2 to run in that second quarter where it Correct. looked like they weren't going to be – where they had, didn't have John Moran. It looked like they were going to run away with it. Yep, that's your, absolutely it. Jackson at the five is how you unlock a lot of good stuff in this series. And the thing is for them, I'm surprised Taylor Jenkins didn't do it earlier and didn't do it more in the respect that you have good size on the perimeter with a kid like Zaire Williams, with a Brooks is not a bad size player. Desmond Bain, who's not the tallest guy, but is a, is a strong, strong player out there and very physical. You got enough size on the perimeter here across the board. Even if you're playing a kid like Brandon Clark at four, who played well, he switches nicely onto guys on the perimeter. You have a lot of solutions in a deep team outside playing the two centers together. And I think Jenkins is going to, we saw from that run what it can do for Memphis. I think Jenkins has to play that way a good portion tonight. So kind of along the same vein, then one of the bets that I I have not made yet, but I'm interested to I'm waiting to see what Willie Green's going to do with this starting lineup tonight. Uh, the last two games have not gone well for that super big lineup that Willie Green and the New Orleans Pelicans have been playing. The uh, Clippers ran them off the floor in that second half when they came back, ultimately lost, but still wasn't very effective. And then in game one, Brian, they got outscored by 11 points when Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas were starting in the front court together. Uh, the quote from Green was that he's not going to talk about lineup adjustments, but do you think he needs to make one here because it did not look good for them in the last two games? I mean, do I think he needs to? Yes. Is he playing a game of whack-a-mole? Yes. Yeah. I mean, because he, it's right now, I mean, I, you know, listen, I, Willie Green's, Green's done a very nice job there this year, so I don't want to bag on him at all because really that team from where they started, you know, at 1-12 and 3-16 and and to be where they are is a remarkable job by him. They're still a 36-46 and 46 basketball team, and they're going against a team that won over 60 games. And there's a reason that both of the teams are this way. And I just think that, you know, you plug one hole in the dam and you're going to create another one. I think this is trouble for the Pelicans up and down the line. I give them credit for coming as far as they have. But you're playing the best team in basketball right now. You're playing a team that went to the NBA Finals last year and stretches to game six. It's, this is going to be way, way more difficult. With that said, you want to tell me Nance belongs in the starting lineup instead of Jackson A's? Not going to argue with you. I think you're better off that way. But I do think this is just, you have an undermanned Pelicans team here against who the Suns are and what the Suns are. And I'm comfortable laying points across the board. I mean, you had somewhat of a backdoor cover in game one. I still would think that we're going to get, I think this, I still think the Suns are going to sweep the series. But I think if there's ever been a game with blowout written all over it, it's game two in Phoenix tonight. I think if you want to look at the Pelicans as a potential cover, in the next two games in the series at home, I think that's the spot to look. All right. Hoopscritic.com, Sirius XM NBA radio host Brian Geltzeiler with us. Brian, we got time for one more game. 
What do you expect to see in game two between the uh, Nets and the Celtics? I thought this was going to be the best first-round series, and it was obviously the uh, the best game one. Uh, you were correct, and it's going to be the best first-round series. And, and you know, it, it's very interesting because I one of the things where I think Steve Nash is missing the boat a little bit is I, if I'm him, I'd be doing a Phil Jackson public carry-on about how their body and a Mullen Durant off the ball. <laughs> I thought Boston did a fantastic right. job of being physical with Durant off the ball. Right. And at times it was bordering on stuff that was illegal. But if you're going to get away with it, you keep doing it. And to me, just kind of saying, hey, we got to do this for Kevin, we got to do that for Kevin, don't get me wrong. They have to do some multiple screen looks off the ball for Durant. they got to help him get more open. But you do want to shine a light on the officiating on what's happening to Durant off the ball. I think he missed the boat there. Because I think the drum and foul trouble thing hurt them a whole lot. Keeping all that in mind, they lost the game by one point on a second play, which was a tremendous play by Marcus Smart. Boston has got a little bit of a problem here because ultimately, as good as they guard, if they don't have Robert Williams as that help weapon that they use him in to give them some minutes on Durant and they're stretching Tatum in the way that they're stretching Tatum, you know, Boston's going to have a little bit of an issue in this series. Think about the margin of victory for Boston in this game. Realize the fact that Horford and Smart average a combined 22 points a game in the regular season, and they scored 40 in that game, and Boston still almost lost it. And that's the thing with Boston. As good as they are defensively, you still have to score with the Nets. Durant only had 23 on 24 shots. Durant really never got going, and they still almost beat you in your own building. Mm -hmm. And Irving may do that every game. I mean, that's who Kyrie Irving is. So, it, so to me, if I'm Boston, I'm very concerned here, and I'm looking at some different ways. I just don't think if you're the Celtics, you can hang your hat on that last second shot and feel like we did everything right and all's well with the world. Boston's going to have their hands full here. This one's going seven no matter who wins it. Brian, we appreciate the time as always, sir. Thank you. My pleasure, guys. We'll talk soon. Take that helps critic again, Series 6 NBA Radio. I think it's going seven as well. Oh, yeah. That's going to be, like you said, best first-round series. No question about it. We'll come back. Best bets uh, and a little bit more before we get out of here. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom? This is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom.
Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. You ready for a fresh start with real lasting change? Take the Zen 10 Challenge. Switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths. Zen nicotine pouches deliver smoke for you spit for nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days. Your money back. Your fresh starts here. Take the Zen 10 Challenge today at ZYN.com slash 10. Zen nicotine pouches only for adults 21 or older who currently use tobacco, uh, tobacco or nicotine. Warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Argue that maybe you don't get sick while you're on the air if you... It takes in nicotine pouch to a smoke inhalation. You know what I, I mean? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, anyway, all right, let's talk uh, best bets, a recap from yesterday, and a look at today. Uh, yesterday, whew, after that first quarter, I thought it was cooked here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raptor 76ers under 218. Uh, but that third quarter and that fourth quarter, that looked much more like the game and uh, the series that I was expecting between those two. Uh, very quietly yesterday, by the way. I don't want to say almost blowing it, but the Raptors did cut that thing down to 13 at one point yesterday. And um, it did look like, oh, are they going to do this? They're going to get back in it. Ultimately not the case, but very interesting series going back to Toronto, but Raptor 76ers under 218. Well, are they going to get back in it? I think that's a big question in game three, because the Sixers are going to be without Matisse Stiebel when they go to mm-hmm. Toronto. And this is going to be game three. If you're going to bet the Raptors, this is when you bet them. Are you going to bet him in game three? Because you bet him in the series. I know Gil Alexander bet him in the series. And obviously, you can't predict a Scotty Barnes injury. No. Uh, but things have really unraveled here on the Raptors. Oh, and that's the thing. It's, it's not just losing. It's losing and losing personnel. It's Scotty Barnes yeah. getting injured. It's Gary Trent Jr. I, I felt bad for Gary Trent Jr. Did you see him yesterday? Mm-hmm. He, he looked gone. He looked tired. He was obviously very sick and tried to gut it out and couldn't finish the game. But uh, – um, I'll talk about the Raptors and I didn't feel bad for him. I didn't feel bad. He makes a lot of money. He'll be okay. Well, yeah. you feel bad for a guy like Wes Reynolds when he gets sick. I don't know anything about that. He makes a lot of money too. Uh, he does. Uh, <laughs> Timberwolves uh, is going to be the play today. Look, I've been pretty consistent on this. I bet him on Friday in game. Mm-hmm. Or, well, yeah, I bet him on Friday, but the game is on Saturday in game one. Um, I'm going to go back here in game two. The, the The market is just too high for me here on on uh, Memphis. They're a good team. They're a fine team. They should be favored in this series. They mm-hmm. deserve to be favored. But I made this much closer to four and a half, man, than I did seven, seven and a half. Right. If you watch the regular season series, which again, it does count for something. I hate the thought, throw it out. You don't know when they played. You do. You just look it up on the calendar. You know what happened in those games. You can look at the box scores and see who played. Hell, today's day and age, you can go back and watch the games if you want to. Uh, these were two teams that were very close to one another in terms of the way they matched up. And you saw that in the first game, back and forth the entire way. And so I think really this just comes down to a power rating thing. It was way too high for them in game one. It's still too high in game two. There's been no adjustment. And I'll play this until it fails or until the adjustment is made by the market. And just going to keep going there. Yeah, obviously the number's not going to drop in game two when uh, the favorite loses game one. Yeah. So you, typically in that in that case, the favorite's adjusted up a half point, a point, a point and a half maybe. Uh, but you've definitely seen a lot of betting action on the Memphis side tonight. Yeah. Uh, we had that graphic, the biggest bets. Wow. All showing on the Grizzlies. Uh, it's 
That's the way this? people love to bet the NBA playoffs. You call it the zigzag, whatever you want to call it. But when the uh, the home team loses game one, everyone expects that team to bounce back in game two. All these bets <laughs> are at Bet Rivers on tonight's game. Twenty eight thousand on the Gri- Grizzlies money line. Sixteen. 1,700 on Grizzlies money line, 15K, 11K, 10K, all on Grizzlies. One of those bets laying seven with the Grizzlies. Uh, so a lot of big money riding on the uh, favorite. Yeah. I, I, I've just been pretty surprised by the public sentiment behind this series. But we'll see. You know, they could go and rip off four consecutive wins, blow them out in every single one. And I'm sitting with egg on my face. But for the most part, I think this is going to be pretty competitive. And then, as you see there, um, the uh, the two series bets still sitting on them. Toronto, plus 165. And uh, Bucks to win in four, it's plus 275. All right. What do you got? Uh, I oh, played... no way. What? NBA best bet? That's a bet. First one of the season. For no, Matt no, I've, I've, bet a bunch of, I've bet a bunch of NBA games. Well, I I'm mean, just going to show. I'm going to track my record in the playoffs. That's what I'm going to start right, doing here it here. Go. On the playoffs, I love to bet the NBA playoffs every year. Now I'm gonna. I think this Hawks Heat series is gonna tighten up a little bit. I I don't think the Hawks can uh, push it too deep, but I definitely think they were in a negative scheduling spot in Game One. They had to play Friday night, come back on the road, play Monday or excuse me Sunday morning, and it showed in their performance. And Trey Young was one for twelve from the field, zero for seven from three, and then you're gonna see some three point shooting regression from the Heat. It's just insane when you have Duncan Robinson and P.J. Tucker hit 12 of 13 threes. I'm concerned that Trey Young doesn't have enough help here. And the Clint Capella absence is a big deal. But I'm going to bet on the situation here. and take. I took the eight with the Hawks. Uh, I'm not sure if there's an eight out there in the market. That was a bet Rivers yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could buy a half point to eight if you want. I really wouldn't recommend that on a number like seven and a half. But... Um, I think in the NBA in general, buying a half point is yeah, pretty useless. It's, yeah, it's, it's not, not, a, not a smart strategy in general. But I, th- I think the, uh, the Hawks can make tonight's game much more competitive because they were in a tough situation in game one. But I'll, I'll roll with the road dog there. I still think the Heat's going to win the series fairly easily because without Clint Capella, it's just not the same Atlanta team. Yep. Uh, NFL draft. I've still got one bet here. I've got a bunch more I'm really close to making. And I'm going to work on this draft all night tonight because I'm going to have mock draft number two. Uh, for the VSIN draft betting guide and a new mock draft out tomorrow. And uh, we got a bunch of new props in the market. Finally. We don't have them at Caesar. We don't have them at uh, Circa. We don't have them at the Westgate Superbook or here at the South Point. But we got a bunch of uh, new draft props in the market and uh, it gives us more to pick from. And I'll have a bunch of draft props to add to this because I'm close to betting a bunch right now, but I have to do a lot of research. Uh, tonight, and uh, we'll add to this list tomorrow, but so far, the only bet, wide receivers drafted in the first round, over 5.5, minus 165. All right. Can I throw a couple of things at you before we get out of here? You certainly can. Let's All right. Do. First one. Um, so there is another bet that I, I think I'm going to make later tonight in the NBA postseason, but okay. it is dependent on who takes the floor in the first quarter for the New Orleans Pelicans. So Suns are a 9.5-point favorite here in this game against New Orleans for game two of their series. Uh, the right now total is like 221 and a half. It's right at the opener. Uh, but the reason why I bring this up is so Sunday, I bet the Suns in the first quarter. The late three against the New Orleans Pelicans got off to a good start, covered that number. So you, you know how much I've talked about this big lineup and how great it's been. Mm-hmm. But in that game against Phoenix, they got outscored by 11 points. When they were on the floor against the Clippers, I believe it was 13 points that they got outscored by when Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas were out there. You saw the same thing. These smaller teams are just spreading them out, moving the ball around, getting Jackson Hayes and others to guard out in space or crash out on shooters, which allows you to get to the rim. It just it hasn't really looked good for this big lineup here. 
And I think now it's kind of been figured out to a certain extent. So if Willie Green's going to go back to the well, and if we get Jackson Hayes, Jonas Valanciunas in the front court, then I'm going to go back to the well and I'm going to lay the points in the first quarter with the Phoenix Suns. Um, After that, you're going to hear, you who are listening to this program, watching this program, over the next few days and as we get into the later rounds, what are they going to hear, Matt? What are they going to hear? NBA betting angle, my favorite one. Uh, you just talked, you teased that. Team already. down 2 nothing. Right. Going back home. Bet them first quarter. Well, I'll tell you what, a couple of years ago, I want to say maybe three or four years ago, I want to say four years ago, this was a really good trend that uh, was hot. But then the books started to adjust and you weren't getting the same value in the first quarter, first half bets. And you know what? There was just some regression in that trend, too. Mm-hmm. That one year, I'm going to say it was 2000. 18, does that sound right? Yeah. Somewhere around well, there? I'm going to pull up the number. Yeah, keep going, because there is a number that I actually pulled up that I forgot to get. But you're right. It was it was hot for a really yeah, long time. Yeah, it was really hot that year where it, it started out like 20 and, I want to say, just say 20 and 2, yeah. something in that neighborhood where uh, betters latched onto that trend, and um, it was paying off big time. It hasn't been that hot since, and I think sometimes – uh, those those things get overplayed. You have some numbers to back that up. So let's just go back to uh, let's go back to last year and let's talk about what you're looking at here for this situation. So we have two teams that we know of in this situation right now: the Raptors and the Denver Nuggets. Just look at this difference, though, and this might not seem like a lot, but it really is. For the mm-hmm. game, both teams are one and a half point underdogs, and yet in the first quarter, you as the better are laying a point. In the first half, you are laying a point for a team that is the underdog in the game, and yet the betting market has adjusted to the point where in the first quarter. You're actually laying points with the underdog. I don't care if it's one. You're not getting the value that you should be getting in some of these games. You know, last year when the Denver Nuggets went back home against the Phoenix Suns, you know what the first quarter line was? They were catching three in the game, and they were three-point favorites in the first quarter. That's uh, the books have adjusted to that. No no question. And you go back to last year Mm -hmm. because people like to do it. Okay, I'll pair up first quarter and first half. Just last year alone in the postseason, you were 6-9-1 against the spread if you went first quarter, first half with teams down 2 nothing going back home. You're just getting no value here. So, again, the trends are fun, and they're nice, and you're going to hear a lot about it. But just remember that there is no value in this anymore whatsoever. It has been sucked out from the odds makers. And the two teams in that situation, game three, Raptors, Nuggets, and and you see it right there on your graphic. Yep. And it's potentially, you know, they're underdogs, so uh, it is likely that it is going to be the Atlanta Hawks who are going to – and do you want to bet that they're going to be a popular selection first quarter, first half? Trey Young going back Mm -hmm. home in that environment. Uh, They're going to be a very sexy pick in that situation. So just always keep that in mind while you're looking at that and saying, no, it's just one point. Yeah, (laughs) you should be catching a point in that situation, Uh not laying it. Uh, But with that, we are all done. Uh, My Guys in the Desert is coming up next. You missed out on any part of the show. I thought Brian Geltzweiler was awesome. Uh, You can find that up on visa.com slash podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. But also stress uh, that we have started every single day now in the postseason, putting up write-ups, the daily uh, market betting reports that are going to be up there at visa.com slash DVT. That is Sunday through Sunday now, Matt Eubin. So uh, make sure you keep those in mind as you are starting your day in terms of the handicapping process for the association postseason. We will be back tomorrow at our normal time. Until then, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy Stormy and my guys in the desert. Coming up next year on Visa. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Oh, Mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom.